Guru Nation, welcome to episode 500, the big 500 for random musings from the clinical trials guru. And it really, it wasn't planned this way, but it couldn't have come with a better guest. Uh, Zymewire has been a supporter of Guru Nation since before Zymewire was even officially uh, started. I mean, it was Pete Bestedo. I remember back in 2010 when I started my blog, I had lifetime supporter. I was selling it for like a hundred bucks at a time. And Pete and Zymewire were one of the first 10 and we still have backlinks to those companies. Actually, many of those companies went out of business, but not Zymewire. Zymewire has grown into a must have uh, software as a service for business development. So it started with a, to empower the CROs, but now it's also for the little guy and gal. And so we talk a lot about that with Pete, with Scott Ballinger, uh, a lot of good discussions here about BizDev, about COVID, about job seekers, about sites. So just lots of good stuff in this episode. Again, thank you very much to Zymeyer for being such a lifetime supporter of the program. Uh, in the show notes, check out links to Zymeyer's webinar that we frequently reference. Also, check out other links in the show notes. The Patreon channel, patreon.com slash dancefera, five bucks a month, monthly mastermind. It's so amazing, this Patreon. I really like it. As soon as we get 50 people, it's going to be twice a month. Uh, also in the show notes, check out the CRA Academy, the CRC Academy. Finally, if you need help getting studies for your site, or even want to get a site started, or anything, budgets, contracts, I mean, we charge a flat monthly fee, $1,300 and we help people all across the country uh, at different stages of their site development. So text me 949-415-6256. And with that said, enjoy episode 500 and thank you very much Guru Nation for supporting me through all these episodes. I can't believe it's 500. Here's to the next 500, take care. Guru Nation, welcome to a very special episode. You know, I was like dreaming how this episode's gonna work out. I had no idea it's gonna be Zymewire, Pete Bastedo, and Scott Ballinger. So Pete is the co-founder, and uh, Scott is the global head of sales for Zymewire. They had a really good webinar that kind of inspired this interview, uh, which we'll put link underneath the show note for the, you know, you can go see the entire webinar. We're not gonna recreate it right now. This is just conversation. But Zymewire has been supporting Guru Nation since 2010. Pete, I mean, I remember when you, you know, were one of the first Guru Nation producers, right? And back in 2010. So it really gave me confidence, like, wow, other people in the industry actually care enough to like want to support. So thank you for that. First of all, give me a lot of confidence. I don't think actually they ever thanked you for that. So thank you for being one of the first like true supporters of the show. That's do you remember so- the offer? Do you, do you remember the offer you had? Yeah, it was like, like 100, 100 bucks for a lifetime. For lifetime yeah. <laughs> and your link I, is still, I, your guys link is still on the clinical trials guru. Uh, so whatever SEO help that gets, there it is. I took it as a uh, hundred bucks and like 50 bucks would go towards a tattoo that you would put on your chest or something, right? For, <laughs> well, let's see permanent. what's better ROI for you. A hundred bucks in Bitcoin at that time or Guru Nation. Well, actually Bitcoin. Yeah. Bitcoin would have been yeah, out. Big, yeah. 
Yeah. It would have been tough to get Bitcoin, though, back then. It wasn't that easy. You can't just go to Coinbase and uh, buy Bitcoin. You had to, like, know how to program and stuff. So either way, Guru Nation, not a bad investment, I think. Uh, we'll get you some, hopefully get some SEO to Zymar's way. But you guys have been doing really good. And, I mean, I guess we can talk about Zymar and kind of where you guys are, you know, who who your target audience is. How are you trying to help um, side CROs and beyond? Um, and then I guess we can talk a little bit about some practical things I think are beneficial for the sites and potential job seekers or independent contractors, solopreneurs in the space. There's a lot of solopreneurs in the space, not to mention vendors, the tech vendors. I mean, that's like a huge growing segment. I, I read an article, I think it was before the pandemic, so it's probably even bigger now. But pre-pandemic, it was like by 2030, the projection was that 65% of all revenues in clinical research are going to be uh, from vendors. Like vendors will receive these revenue. That's amazing. Like, And they're not including sites or CROs, just vendors like tech vendors. Yeah. So I don't know. There's, maybe we can talk about that. But why don't you guys just introduce yourselves maybe one at a time just so the audience can – can get to know you guys. Pete, you want to take it off? Sure. So as uh, yeah, thanks for the intro, Dan. Um, I'm Pete, one of the co-founders of the company. Um, so there were two of us. It's interesting. You're 2010. I think we I think we did that investment like even before really officially starting the company in a way. But um, I just we just sent these out to the team. So I'll, I'll hold this up. This this came yesterday uh, in the mail, and we did this for a. Um, Kind of a, so every every employee will get one of these, and so here's mine, and it uh, starts with the name, and then there's a Lego brick for every year wow. that you've been at the company. So I I thought I was like, wow, well, uh, well. that's cool. And then we got to choose our got to choose our Lego guy at the top. So I have a <laughs> I have a red phone in the office that the team knows about. It's kind of an old rotary phone I use. Is it? just as a prop but anyway so brick by brick nine plus years we've been doing this for um so there was two of us and uh we started really started the company with the vision of um people were using all these databases for information and stale everyone hated it and we started the company thinking hey we could probably do this in a much more automated way um and actually make a product that people enjoy using and so that's really what we started with and we we had um 10 10 companies that we actually, we asked them to pay a very small amount to be part of a beta group. Um, it's kind of like, a, almost like embedded, we, we embedded ourselves in their team and we didn't have a product, didn't know what to build. We just knew that we had a bunch of people who didn't like the existing stuff. And um, what emerged from that was an early product that uh, people, you know, adoption started to increase and um, yeah, here we are many Lego bricks later. Um, yeah, so that's have, crazy. Yeah. So current, I mean, your, yeah, your Lego stack would be as high as that. So that's, uh, that's uh, cool. Literally brick by brick. It was built. Yeah. So we, um, currently, uh, we have a team, the team is about 35 people at the moment. Um, and we have about 300 and yeah, 340, 350 clients around the world. Wow. So you guys are going to be one of those vendors I was talking about <laughs> by 2030. Yeah, so when you bring up the vendor, our, um, 
the kinds of companies we would help would range from clinical sites. So we've got a number of clinical sites that would make up that um, all the way to, so I think we're at about 19 of the top 20 um, clinical CROs at the moment. Um, we've got uh, most of the top uh, contract manufacturers as well. So wow. lots of people, um, thousands of individuals around the world that would be, uh, that are selling something to pharma, whether that's right. clinical site or the way to some of those big vendors. So, um, you know yeah, what? I, that's, that's kind of cool how you guys are getting known and, you know, uh, you're starting to get a lot of traction. Like you really, I've seen you, your company just evolve over the last decade and, it's a tough business because I'm in kind of the same space with my consulting company. Like we have a really affordable product for sites. Well, it's a service for sites. And unlike other industries, you know, in this industry, like B2B in research, when a site or a CRO really likes your product, they're not sharing it. Like they've, they've told us we're not sharing, you know, you're our secret weapon. And I know for Zymeware, I know for a fact, because I talked to other CRO people out there with midsize, small midsize CROs. And they're like, Oh, don't tell anybody about Zymeware, but we're doing these videos. We don't care about this. So the, yeah, like to try to, to try to get like a client testimonial is like pulling teeth, right? (laughs) No, no, I don't want to, no, no, I'm just going to keep this to myself. I know. um, but so yeah, despite all uh, that, like you've been able to grow the company really well and have a really successful company from what I could see. So congrats. Well, we're having a ton of fun and uh, yeah, we're nowhere, nowhere near reaching the, reaching the vision. So um, yeah, I'll pass it over to Scott who joined us in, uh, I guess really starting kind of November, December of 2020. Oh, wow. Welcome, Scott. I saw you on the webinar too, yeah. and we'll have the link to the webinar underneath, by the way. Yeah, so uh, thanks, Pete and Dan. Thanks, Dan, for, uh, for hosting us. So uh, I'm career business development in life sciences, mostly on the, uh, the clinical CRO side, as Pete said. I joined PPD as a business developer when they had less than 250 employees. So today, 25,000 employees, that was a long, long time ago. But uh, you know, career, uh, my, my DNA is, is business development. I discovered Zymeyer in 2015 started to help, you know, making sure my teams had the advantage that it provided. And then Pete and I started talking over the pandemic and I found an opportunity to come and every day get up and help these 350 companies, these thousands of business developers that sell their life science services into, you know, biotech or pharma. Every day, that's what we do at ZymeWire. And, you know, one of the things that brought that webinar about was we looked and we said, we've had 3,000 hours of conversation with our users, these business developers, slogging it out through the pandemic. Let's distill what we're hearing, what their challenges are, what the opportunities are, and you know, put that into a message. And that's what sort of brought us here. But uh, I'm a, a career BD guy in life sciences, and it's been a ton of fun uh, working with Pete to, uh, to find that next tier of growth uh, across those tech providers and the other uh, life sciences solutions that are out there for you know biotechnology companies and pharmaceutical companies wow scott that's a cool story i didn't really realize that so yeah like i i've interviewed pete a few times one-on-one i should interview you one-on-one because that's quite a story and quite a testimony to zymar actually um you know you you use the product you were a customer and then you started working with them like that's that doesn't happen that often yeah scott like scott and i met kind of around here right yeah (laughs) Put it on the Lego. Uh. And all my teams, you know, have always had uh, ZymeWire. And, uh, you know, one of the things 
like you said, absolutely true. It's a competitive advantage or it's a secret weapon. But the one good thing is when a BD person who's using ZymeWire leaves one company and goes to another one, the next thing you know, it blossoms over there because they're like, I'm not taking this job if you don't give me ZymeWire. That's right. That's right. It's like a, it's, it's viral. Uh, but in a good way for for Zymewire and for the and for the other series. I mean, competition is ultimately a good thing. It brings out the best in 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 all of us. Uh, so yeah, we should do like a one on one also, Scott. That's an amazing story. I'd love to do that. So what's the? I guess there's different stakeholders here. You know, there's the CROs, there's the sites, and then there's like this new emerging group that I'm I'm started to talk to because of all the biotech companies I'm reviewing now. Uh, the job seekers or the solopreneurs. Uh, so I guess we can go like in order. I mean, the webinar was more focused on the CROs, right? But um, they use, they obviously use ZymeWire. Um, but as far as BizDev is concerned, uh, what are some of the biggest challenges like with BizDev? I mean, um, I guess, Scott, I would ask you because that's like kind of what your career is. Sure. So, you know, we see, uh, Zymewire users spanning clinical, like you said, labs, manufacturing. I think we've got over 45 companies that characterize themselves as e-clinical. Obviously, that was really big during COVID. Uh, and then site networks, large and small. You know, it, it's all of those groups that want to uh, understand and see the signals for where's the next trial coming from and how early do I need to see that signal to be competitive, to get in front of that opportunity. And that those are the challenges. Different companies and solutions say, I wanna you know, be in discussions with the sponsor as soon as that protocol starts to germinate because I need to bake in my solution early on and, and, and be part of the design. So it's those early signals that they're looking for. And then sometimes it's, oh, we sell to Novartis and Pfizer and big guys and others are, no, we really want to target the, that long tail of biotech. And you know our services and solutions are tailor-made for them. And there's not as much information available in more traditional sources and services about them. So you know, their focus on how to leverage uh, the tool is, is in that regard. I have, a, I have a quote that I've been throwing around as often as I could, uh, as often as I can on social media this year and a little bit of last year. Small is the new big. And that's what the long tail actually is. You know, the long tail is getting longer and it's also getting thicker. Uh, and that's where a lot of the action is. I mean, yeah, you may not be Ikevia. I own a very small CRO. We do IITs. Um, it, we would only work with biotechs that are not public, although maybe that's starting to change now with all, with all the stocks we're reviewing. But like we operate in that, like the very end of this long tail, right? And then as a site, we're a little higher up on that hierarchy. Um, and then as an independent contractor, I mean, Zymar is obviously a tool. We'll get into all that. But like what advice would you give to, let's say, a small CRO owner I don't know, like myself or a small site network owner like myself, maybe uh, like how, how would I do better at, at BizDev? So one of the, uh, we, we recently actually had some conversations. Uh, we did a, a series just kind of to investigate actually a very similar question. Um, one of the surprising things was just the attitude of, are you going to are you going to sit and wait for questionnaires to drop in your inbox? Or are you going to be proactive? Um, so advice that we would probably have is think like pre 
you know, pre-Zanwire, pre-any kind of tools or anything like that, really think about, do you want to grow your business or are you happy with the current status quo? Because that, that to us is the biggest surprise. Like a lot of these sites, um, they're, if they're known, they'll get, they'll get the studies and that's okay. For us, the, um, yeah, I guess from like an advice perspective is uh, really do some soul searching and decide, do you want to grow or not? And if you want to grow, probably uh, how are you going to carve out dedicated resources to be focused on that growth? As in, you know, it, maybe it's not a great idea to get the study coordinator or the, the, the clinic nurse to be doing your BD efforts. <laughs> and, right. And so that's, that's what we see. Like there's, there's a lot of sites out there, but a lot of them don't necessarily have a growth mindset and that's okay because they're getting, they're getting enough to keep, keep them busy and you know they're it's a it's a side hustle maybe in some cases so that's mm -hmm. probably the i guess from an advice standpoint it would be think about if you really do want to grow and if you do how are you going to carve out dedicated time in someone's week for that growth activity um before any kind of tools or any other services and and dan you probably know from your own experience too i think there's two distinct sales cycles between those top tier pharmas with the, the layers of procurement and other things that are the interfaces you have to go through to, to do business with them versus that longer tail and the smaller biotech, you may be speaking directly with the chief medical officer. I mean, it's just a completely distinct set of sales cycles between the bigs and the long tail. And you can find a lot of productive activity and relationship you know, across that longer tail, depending on what therapeutic areas you operate in, and just, you know, how you choose to go about, you know, building a, a portfolio of some of the big guys, but, you know, a lot of the, the smaller ones too. Yeah, I think those are both good points. I mean, I think us in the research industry, like site owners, CROs, basically anybody in this industry, we're so lucky right now. You know, we saw this pandemic. I mean, in many ways, this pandemic made the industry better, Um and busier. I mean, I'm sure we're all feeling that. And so this is why I keep saying small is the new big. There's like a bunch of small opportunities, but when you add them all up, they make up for more than just one large opportunity. And, and, and you're more diversified when it comes to that. But what I've noticed is from the sites, because we have a consulting company and we, we charge a monthly retainer fee for the sites and we help them do biz dev. We get studies for them, all these kind of things. Sites, they are, it's kind of like getting a uh, loan from the bank. Like BizDev is kind of like seeking financing if you're a small business. The best time to go to the bank is when you don't need the money. And I think it's the same thing is true with BizDev. Like the best time to BizDev is when you have studies because sponsors can smell when you're desperate, right? So what they like is somebody that has studies but is also reaching out because they're professional. They have BizDev. SOPs. I mean, if somebody's reaching out to you and it looks professional, you on the other end as a sponsor assume, okay, these guys are sophisticated enough to have a biz dev team and we assume some SOPs for how to do this. So that's that right there is already a selling point for you. Yeah, and Dan, so, the, the banking analogy is so perfect. It, it, you, you can't wait until the study's over to then start looking for your next study. That just uh, yeah, I like that analogy. Absolutely. That's going to be a new quote. Yeah. Pete, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, Dan, what's your, what do you see from a sales to, or BD efforts towards the CROs, like as the site, what would your guidance be for a site? I'm just curious from a, 
like how much selling should they do into into PPD or you know Icon or somebody to try to get studies that way versus direct to the sponsor? I think so. What I tell sites is, look, let's try to get you. There's like five major CROs right now because Icon and who was it? PRA just merged, right? So. Yeah. Uh, it, we went from six major ones to like five major ones, more or less. So you, your job is to try to get a study from each one of those and do well in that one study, because that's going to be your biz dev going forward. I mean, you know, Scott knows, well, I don't know if you, you dealt with sites, Scott, but sure, I mean, absolutely. yeah, once you, once you do well for a CRO, you're like their asset now, right? Like you are like their Zymewire, like that you don't want to share with other CROs. And maybe you found a diamond in the rough site, you know, somewhere, very small site. And if you're PPD, you're like, wow, we're really lucky to have this PI. So we're going to keep giving them new studies. So try to get on the five major CRO databases and try to get one study from each and then spend the majority of your time LinkedIn networking with just various people from pharma and CRO and really focus on that long tail because that long tail, those small CROs, those small biotechs, they don't even know necessarily who the key opinion leaders are. So they don't know the difference between you or somebody who's like a, like a superstar, at least on paper, PI. And so you're on level playing field there. Yeah. And, and you're right now, getting in, if you can get on the, uh, the databases of those large CROs, Absolutely. They're seeing the majority of the business in the industry by, by definition. Uh, you will be busy with all of the feasibility forms and whatnot. And hopefully you can, you know, find uh, that, that some of those will start to automate some of that. So you don't have to, you know, go through it every single time. But uh, yeah, they're by definition doing most of the research. Yep, uh, absolutely. So I think that's the best advice. And then I guess if you can take that a step further, because sites, they typically, let's say like myself as an example, CNS, this is how I started. This is what I still do to this day. The majority of the studies my sites do are CNS. But in our site network, we have all kinds of indications. Actually, very few are CNS. So just because you get on PPD's database, let's say for a schizophrenia study, you're not on their list for like hypercholesterolemia. So that's a good start is do really well for one uh, CRO, but they're going to pigeonhole you in that indication and maybe like related indications. But if you're doing well at schizophrenia, it doesn't mean you're going to do well at diabetes. So you still need to do more biz dev, even if you've been successful with various CROs for certain indications, if you're trying to expand. And a lot of sites are trying to diversify their capabilities as they should. Pete, I was telling Scott, I have all these people emailing me now, like, hey, I've been a CRA for 10 years, W2, I'm fed up with like not, you know, the glass ceiling or whatever. And I want to go out on my own because my friend's making like triple what I make and they, they're happier. And what happens now? That's all fine and dandy. But now this person become an entrepreneur if, if they actually go that route. And that means a lot of your activities got to be biz dev. A lot of it, because you may get busy now, but how do you ensure you get busy six months from now, 12 months from now, 24 months from now? It's through biz dev, guys. And the, the magic 
I think in the next decades, all in the long tail. So I think I think this is a, that was a really good point that you brought up, Scott. How, how would somebody even begin to look at this kind of stuff? Let's say like a small site or a small like independent contractor CRA, because I really think they're after like the same the same outcome. Yeah, I think and Pete, uh, you can you can certainly follow on, but there's there's sort of two ways. You do it organically, and you're looking at all of the web services from the, the clinical trial databases, the newsletters, the job boards yourselves, or you say, is there an aggregation service, and is the investment in that worth the trade off of my own personal time of trying to keep up with all of those different channels myself, and with the absolute volume of data that's produced every single day, you know, we're leveraging machine learning and um, artificial intelligence, you know, coupled with human verification to, you know, try to distill that volume of data. But when we first, you know, meet up with someone, they say, oh, I'm doing it myself. I've got my favorite <laughs> newsletters. I've got my favorite websites. They're all bookmarked. Yeah. And I start at like eight in the morning and then I break for lunch. <laughs> and now I've got this list and, you know, but you can automate that, you know, if it if the trade off in your in your own personal time is worth the investment. So I'm curious, has the AI reached the capability of doing like a better job as like me? You know, the example you had, I, I have all my tabs open, so I'm seeing like which biotech, where when they got their funding, what study, if they just got a uh, from phase one to phase two, or are you saying like the AI can help me with a lot of this um, monotonous stuff? Like all the information is a commodity. That's kind of our, our worldview, right? You get these companies saying like, oh, we have secret stuff here. If they had secret stuff, they would start a hedge fund and invest in those companies and make a make a you know tons of money, right? Right. There's no, there are no secrets, especially with these public companies. Like and and you know how many hundreds of thousands of companies are public in this space? There are no secrets. So our attitude is there's no secrets. And when you kind of take that. Um, that approach and you just admit that the information is a commodity um, you can start to really think around well what does the person actually need from that information rather than just delivering it um, so i think our we, we do view the ai side of it as like um it's an operational it's an it's an operational thing that our our customers don't really care about it yeah you don't right. care how this information got to them yeah. just, right right and so i think what it's allowed us to do is punch well above our our weight class as a company um we we compete against a company that they're like a database provider that um they have a um yeah i mean it's a it's a kind of old school type of product whatever but um they they have uh, a facility in in india that has hundreds of people that are that are scouring the internet trying to update this database, right? As a so for us operationally, we don't we don't need that. We don't need the 200 people or the 500 people or whatever they're you know bragging about. But um, so we can we can we can go up against a product like that and and deliver uh, a better experience and pass on the price savings to to the end client. So that's kind of what, the reason why I think, I think Zymeyer has been popular with sites is that we don't need to charge a price that we can actually, we have to pay 500 people in a different, you know. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's kind of our view on it. Like it, it really is a, it's an operational efficiency. And I don't think our clients are buying AI. 
right? They're buying an outcome. Right. And that's just proof that, you know, technology is a deflationary force. I mean, the price of everything uh, does come down if technology is behind it. Because, I mean, just look at, like, the cost of anything we have. Our iPhones keep getting better and the price is not really going up that much. Or um, Samsung's or whatever, you know, maybe Apple is a bad example. But uh, the <laughs> when you have... A driving force like technology, it's supposed to bring the price down of everything. And then the technology is supposed to get better. And then that's how innovation, mm -hmm. that is innovation. So uh, that's a good it's point. Our, it's our responsibility to pass on that in a way, like from a, uh, we can deliver, our goal is deliver a better, a better experience for people at that lower, mm -hmm. not just do, not just do lower and crappier. It's yeah better and lower because of what what the machine learning can allow us to do right and that's that's probably the um, but, but dan you know i think um the users experience it as time savings as pete said you know they're not they're not into the the how it got there but it, <laughs> instead of them having to do it manually it's being delivered on a right you know in a very usable and actionable format um and, and that's how they experience it as time savings yeah, I, I, I can definitely see that. I, it's kind of like if you're an Uber driver, I mean, you don't need to know how the technology works of your car, of your phone, of Uber itself. You just know that it's there. It gives you an order. You go do it. Same thing here. You're automating a process. Um, one of the things that we I think we all need to like do a better job is educating the smaller. So like the long tail of our industry as far as side zeros, independent contractors, job seekers they're not even aware of like what they need to be searching. Like when I started my CRO, I think it was Pete actually Pete and like another guy who owned a CRO, they would tell me, Hey, what you want to do is look at the funding sources on these things, because that's, that's when, you know, they have the financing ready and that's when you want to get in early. So like we need more education, like those kind of things for the sites, for the smaller CROs, the big CROs know this stuff already, but the smaller, right. If, if the future is in the long tail, and some of those players from the long tail eventually become part of the, you know, the bigger market share. Um, I, I think we're all better off educating and empowering the long tail as much as we can. Well, one of the things we, uh, you bring up funding. We, so in this, the webinar we did last week, we were curious. Uh, so as Scott referenced, we got, uh, we, we calculated at least 3000 hours of conversations like during the pandemic right with with our client base and from that we kind of had a pretty good pulse on what people were wondering and feeling and so the the whole the, the webinar that we did was let's try to confirm some of these these uh these thoughts that people were having or like hunches i guess would be so one of the things we looked at was the funding um in 2020 compared to 2019 so any guests, okay, I won't put you on the spot here. You're the, you're the host. So 70, million, 70 billion went to US companies. If you take out the large pharma, 70 billion went to just US-based companies. So we cover, we cover globally, everything we do is global, but um, the, the webinar that we did was kind of focused for a US audience. And so 70 billion in 2019, in 2020, that jumped to 113 billion. So during the pandemic, the funding is basically another, well, yeah, I mean, another uh, 40 billion piled in, right? Yeah. Um, 
I believe it. I believe I wouldn't have believed it at the time because everybody was fearful. You know, when when uncertainty comes, your default is to be fear uh, fearful. But you know, like it wasn't long after, like maybe three months after shutdowns, myself and Chris, who's my business partner, were like, "Hey, these studies, they're they're rolling in. Like they're they're (laughs) they're doing feasibilities as if you know fall time they're going to activate all these sites." And it turned out there was a second wave. But the money was there. The deals were there. The jobs were there. Even some people that got furloughed, within 30 days, they got hired again by another company and a better job, better pay. So the money's there. We can all feel it. All of us in the industry who are on the receiving end of these funds can feel it. I mean, sites now are getting to the point where they're turning down studies. This is a, this is a good time mm-hmm. to be a site, CRO, CRA. But it's not always that way, guys. Biz dev. We just said the best time to get a loan from the banks when you don't need it. Same thing with biz dev, same thing with job opportunities. Your biz dev needs to be stronger during these times. Well, and Dan, from the site's point of view, one of the graphs we had as well showed at peak patient load, they, the, the COVID trials were consuming 2,500 patients per day. Hmm. 2,500 patients per day at peak COVID trial load. Now that's in steep decline right now because those were the vaccine trials. In that Q4, they spiked up very large scale trials. And yeah, I, ha- I can share that one here. I got. Yeah, yeah please. Hey, keep keep going, Scott, but I'll. Uh... Yeah, and this, this is where we were kind of, I was taking the position of it. It feels like a cliff to me because I don't think we're going to return to with follow on studies, with more. Uh, mRNA studies, uh, you know, those types of things with variant, uh, you know, COVID variants. I don't think we're going to see that, that, that type of load again. But yeah, Pete's sharing it here. And this was one of, you know, my slides to sort of support the thesis of a cliff in, in, in terms of, you know, as expressed by patient load. Sure. And the format of the webinar, Dan, was, as, as you remember, with, I guess, just for your audience, we kind of debated different points of view. So Scott and I don't see totally eye to eye on like, is there a cliff? Is there not a cliff? So this, this was one of Scott's kind of, Hey, there's going to be a cliff slides um, <laughs> just to give your audience some of that context. But yeah. So, so this was um, what we did was we put all the, all the clinical studies, all the COVID studies and we lined them up and we figured out the per day, if you assumed everything like, you know, recruitment went on track and all that. And you said every day of the pandemic, how many patients were needed to fulfill the open studies for that day. So you take like a, like a 30,000 patient study over 30 days needs a thousand per day, right? So that kind of math is, mm-hmm. so this was the shape of that curve. So beginning you had, you kind of had demand around the world for 500 patients a day, every single day, you know, through August and September. And then, and the peak of that was really January, January 1st of 2021. Mm-hmm. is what Scott referenced, 2,500 patients, new patients needed to be enrolled in COVID studies around the world. And then we're seeing it. So this was, um, the, this part is a drop. And, and the day of the webinar was March 25th. Um, so, you know, what's going to, obviously there's going to be additional studies coming online, but our whole, our whole take on it in the webinar was, um, you know, if there were no further COVID studies, this is, this is how that demand would would taper off um, based on what's out there registered. If so. no further phase three COVID studies registered, yeah. which yeah. there will be, 
Uh, it will, but at, but at, at March 25th, you still saw that decline, right? Yeah, like it still yeah. came down from the top. Um, yeah, so it was interesting. And then we got into like uh, we we had. So I I don't know if you remember this one when you saw it. this. This was my favorite statement from. Um, I'll just go through. I'm, I'm again. So if we go back cool. to that first one, because um, I I mean I would argue, yeah, obviously you know more people getting vaccinated, there there are going to be like treatment or long term safety studies for the vaccine for whomever didn't get vaccinated, right? Or maybe they already did. Who knows? Maybe it's like open label registry where they can just do long term. The demand, like I I know from like the ground level, there's demand for COVID patients. It's just harder to get them. So they're mm. probably more in demand. Uh, so like here at the peak, like in December 1st, that's probably sites were so busy at that time with COVID patient, like patients were probably calling these sites. Not probably. I know for a fact calling sites and the sites are like, look, we don't need more COVID patients right now, you know, and then so that contributes to like the decline a little bit. Yeah. But, well, this slowly. is this is the pharma and biotech demand. Oh, okay. Or yeah, yeah. Right. So if, like if what they, they need. All, okay. Yeah. I, the visual I kind of had in my head was like, you put all the, all the sponsors in a room and you know, a, mm. they're, they're kind of saying every day, all right, world, we need 2,500 patients today. Right. And then the sites <laughs> got to deliver that to them. Yeah. So yeah. That's kind of the, yeah. Cause yeah. I know right now, April 2nd, 2021, there are sites, they're getting tons of COVID. I know your next slides are about the studies. It's harder mm -hmm. to get these patients now. So pharma demand, yeah. whatever it can be, reality is going to tell you a different story. I mean, yeah. the pool of people that are either vaccinated or have been exposed and had COVID is growing every single day. So any sort of uh, exposure naive patients, that, that pool is shrinking. Yeah, very much. Yep. Yeah. Dan, Dan, did I tell you that I, uh, I, I registered for a study? Did I tell you that? So you joined a study? No, yeah, I joined it was like uh, I've just had this curiosity forever. You get a vaccine or what? Well, I haven't yet, but uh, uh. So again, it's an interesting <laughs> timing though. From a, um, I'm either getting placebo or the vaccine, but I see in Canada you see it as like, like I'm seeing it um, as as where I am, and like you realize that well, wow, this this is going to be a hard situation soon. So this right now, my age group has not been offered a vaccine, right? So they're still doing kind of. 70 and up in my in in the um the area that i live in canada is way different story than you guys is right you know um because because there's no vaccine being made here it's problematic mm -hmm. for but 70 so i'm i'm doing the calculus on like well i'll probably be july before my age group um 30 to 40 not you know able to work from home not frontline worker before i get a vaccine july is what the province that, that i live in estimates so I'm like, well, yeah, sign me up for a clinical study, right? But like, as soon as the the vaccination line reaches the trial eligibility line, why would you go in the study group? Right. Is the like as a as a participant, but um, right, right. Yeah. Anyway, like there's less like, incentive. There'd be less incentive for the participant at that point. But yeah, the demand will still be there. Uh, yeah. So what we're seeing in some of the data, and I'm sure you're hearing this. Um, much more away from like more studies in Latin America, right? As a result. Yes, yes. So, yes. so it's driving, although there's sites here in Canada, come July, that study's not going to recruit from Canada because everyone will take the vaccine, right? Right. And in the U.S. even. So the study, the, the, the flow of where the studies are taking place is moving to places like Latin America 
or other parts that are not having that same access that are kind of behind the, the wave. Shout out really, to uh, like, shout out to Latinos in clinical research, Colombia and Mexico. You guys are gonna get strong demand. I predict. Yeah. We all predict That's, for studies, yeah. COVID studies. Yep. Yeah, COVID specifically. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Another one we're watching, Dan, that I think, um, I mean, your audience would, uh, uh, yeah, it's, I think it's relevant. To, we're watching the sentiment among the CROs for okay. further COVID work. Um, so again, when you're thinking of those, yeah, the, the, even at the CRA, looking for job opportunities or the freelancers, we're keeping a close eye on um, what are the CROs telling their investors about future COVID work. And so we, we go into some of that in the webinar, but some, some interesting quotes from um, some of the CEOs of the leading CR, CROs that uh, they're saying, you know, COVID's going to be around for, like they're quite bullish on all this variant, the variants creating additional study work. Um, and some of them are saying, hey, they'll, they'll be COVID forever. And, you know, we're going to, we're going to have uh, like a certain book of business will be COVID. Yeah. You can bank uh, on it. I, I'm in that camp too. I, I think that's, that will be the case. And this whole paradigm shift of the synthetic mRNA, you know, I mean that nobody's really talking about that. To me, that's the most amazing part of this whole thing is we, we just got a paradigm shift for, for like a new vaccines. And there's going to be studies, all kinds of studies, even beyond COVID on, on the synthetic probably, mRNA. Yeah, mRNA and pizza data uh, dug into that a little bit as well. But yeah, that is another after effect of you know, the pandemic is mRNA as its own new funded research endeavor across multiple therapeutic areas, as well as yeah. other vaccines. We all, you know, we all made fun of the data nerds. Uh, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, after COVID, we're all, we're all trying to be the data nerds. Uh, I've been telling my sites, collect as much data as you can. And they're like, well, what do you mean? We're already doing the study. No, no, no. You we're the only difference between us and the site across the street is going to be what data do we have on our patient journey? Who's our patient, what they eat, everything you can collect, collect that because that's really all you're going to have at the end of the day. Uh, so this stuff's super important. I think you guys, I'm, I'm excited to watch your company grow. We definitely have to have you both on again. Um, Pete, for sure. Scott, absolutely need to interview you at least once because I've interviewed Pete like twice, I think already. And now it's like the third time. Happy 500th episode. 500. Yeah, that's, that is, I can't believe that. Dan, that you guys should win a prize, but I don't know what we're going to. Uh, uh, I, I think you, uh, you're Legos. the guy who's done 500 interviews. That's, that's prize. Amazing <laughs> milestone. Wow. That's, that's amazing. Thank you guys. But yeah, I guess a lot more in the next 500 episodes is going to be about data. I guarantee you that. And I'm not a data guy, but I'm, I'm a business guy. And I understand that to be competitive in the next decade, I have to be a data guy. And Zymar is making it accessible for me to, to be a data guy, right? Yeah, cool. Well, thanks for having us. So. Absolutely, guys. Thank you very much. And we'll have the link to the webinar, right, underneath the show notes. If people want to get a hold of you, it's just like that webinar link is okay? So, uh, yeah, we, we've got a landing page. that It's on YouTube, but we've got a landing page that if people want the, the data package. So we, we've kind of um, – second half of the webinar is these uh, selling tips that we've got. So one of them is actually 
to focus on mRNA companies because there's a halo effect. Oh, there. okay, okay. But uh, we've got a data package that we're sending out. So we've got a landing page that people can go to. And then from there, um, yeah, they can reach out. Or obviously our, our, uh, our homepage is always, always open. That's awesome. I actually have to watch that replay myself. I don't attend these webinars, these industry webinars. Scott, you've probably attended way more than both of us. You don't get value from that, but your guys, as soon as I saw the email, I was like, dang it, I missed it. Like, I only got the last 10 minutes. These are practical. These are the kind of webinars we want. We don't want the webinars on, you know, random things that are not actually, they don't give you any tangible benefits. We want to know how to better ourselves, better our opportunities. Yeah. We tried to make it actionable for sure. Yeah. It's refreshing. It's very refreshing. So thank you guys for that. Everybody make sure you go watch that. Go connect with both Scott and Pete on LinkedIn. Let them know you watched it on the 500th uh, episode. And then thank you guys very much for coming on. And we'll definitely do it again. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for having us, Dan. Thank you guys. Bye-bye.